and welcome to the Scottish Rugby Podcast brought to you by the Scottish Rugby Blog. I am Cammy Black and joining me this evening um, across the ether, it is Ian Hay. How do you do? How are you, Ian? Uh, I'm not too bad, thanks. How are you? I'm not too bad. Full weekend of rugby for you. You were at... Uh, was it you were uh, air? Are they called the air raiders? What are they called in Super the, uh, the the Ayrshire Bulls? The Ayrshire Bulls, of course. So yeah. it was the Ayrshire Bulls against the Birmingham Bears. Yeah, I saw a bit of the Super Six highlights. We might come on to that uh, later on. Uh, and then you also you were at the women's game as well for us. We got a match report up on that as well, didn't we? Aye, aye. On Sunday, it was a bit bit chilly and um, got a bit tedious. But uh, we'll we'll maybe get onto that. We'll get onto that a little bit later on as well about the, the scrum tedium. Um, you can get in touch with us if you want to, um, should you choose to do so, by email podcast at scottishrugbyblog.co.uk. We're on the Twitters at Scott Rugby Blog, and I'm at Cami Black. Uh, are you at Ian Hay eighty two? That's correct. Yes. No, presumably there were uh, another. Ian with... There were other another Ian with an, with two eyes, isn't it? Yes, it is indeed. Yes. And uh, the, the, were there another 81 Ian Hayes on there? Uh, no, no, that's just the uh, year of birth signifier. Oh, there we go. There we go. There we go. Um, I thought you were going for the American. You like David Love the Third. David Love the Third, the goal for that yes, kind of thing. A, there's, a, there's, a, there's a long line of Ian Hayes in my family. Um, <laughs> no. Yeah, uh, we're on the. In- on yeah, well, there you go. Uh, we're on the Facebooks and the Instagrams as well. Um, and don't forget, you visit the blog scottishrugbyblog.co.uk where you can uh, read Ian's match report on the women's game that we might we'll, we'll touch upon a little later on. Um, we're going to start with news. There's a lot of news. I'll be honest. Tonight's mostly going to be talking about the news. It's almost as though Ian, the SRU, had something that they wanted to bury deep, deep in a deep dark pit this week. And so what they've decided to do is just have all the news <laughs> this week. What could what could it be that the SRU wanted to bury in a deep dark pit this week? Um, I don't know. There's a whole number of things. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> having to well, I mean, I, I think uh, the well, main thing would be would be having to apologise. Uh, well, they didn't. They expressed regret, didn't they? In the end, after our podcast last week. Uh, yes, they they took their medicine. Um, yeah. And like like we sort of I suppose we surmised that was possibly the best thing to do is and I like the fact as well that they didn't have to sort of you know when it was the judgment was laid down, it made it sound like it was gonna to have to be a grovelling apology, but just rather just expressing regrets. Which is what they'd suggest well, I think that's that had been the proposal in the first place, wasn't it? That both sides express regret and then World Rugby said no. And so it went to full hearing. <laughs> And so we've just got back to the SRU expressing regret and World Rugby going, oh, it's really not worth pushing them into a full apology, is it? Um, yeah, well, well, we're not expressing regret, so nah. Yeah, so nobody, I don't think anybody was a winner out of that one. Um, but um, what the what then happened um, is there was, the, the big news, I suppose, that was announced earlier today as we record this is that Dave Rennie is, is going to be the new Australian rugby coach from the end, from the end, he's staying with Glasgow till the end of the season. He's on a three and a half year contract, which which will take him up to uh, just after the next World Cup, so full World Cup cycle for him. He said he turned down the All Blacks job. Well, he wasn't offered it, but he he took himself out of the running. I suppose is the way to say it because he'd uh, talks with Australia were, were fairly advanced. You've got to think, Ian, that probably Big Scotty Johnson just said, "Take it or leave it." Um, yeah, I suppose like he was, he was more on the long list for the uh, All Blacks job. I think there was a good few names ahead of him. Mm. Um, 
Whereas with Australia, he was probably, well, he's long been rumoured to be their number one contender. Yes. So, you know, it's it's come as no great big surprise. Um, no, and there's been talk a while, I think, isn't there, of, uh, that, that uh, I don't know, maybe maybe the family weren't quite settled in in Scotland, that he was, you know, he was happy to see out his contract, but that, that, and it wasn't like, it, it never felt like a, a, he was here to build an empire, did it? Um, no, I think he was just sort of bringing the boys along in a particular style of rugby. Because um, it was, you know, he's seen as the continuation of Townsend and Townsend doing the national job. So it's almost to seem sort of to try and keep that kind of um, style going on. But yeah, he's he's often said, I think, particularly his wife um, finds it hard to be so far away from the family. So, you know, it was. So it's going to be a short-term measure, we think. Yeah. Um, what has happened as a result of that, um, rather quickly, I think maybe more quickly than, than than some people might have liked, and we might touch it, probably worth discussing in this in detail now, is uh, Danny Wilson, the current Scotland forwards coach, uh, has been announced as Dave Rennie's replacement. Now, Danny Wilson previously coached Cardiff Blues for three years, and he took them to the Challenge Cup final, didn't he? Is that right? Yeah, and he won it. Yeah. So, I mean, when you look at the the kind of the social media response to this, um, Wales fans or Cardiff Blues fans seem to think this is a very good appointment. And I don't know if it's some sort of backwards trolling that they think that by they're, they're telling the Glasgow fans it's a really good appointment when they they secretly think it's not, or whether they. But there seems to be sort of a genuine envy that Glasgow have landed Danny Wilson and that. With with a budget, because we all seem to think that that we're swimming in money in Scottish rugby, um, but I think it's more sort of compared to Wales and the fact yeah. that they're spread so it's thinly. All, it's all relative. Yeah, um, but they seem to think that with a budget, Danny Wilson could do something fairly special. Um, I mean, being you're 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 Glasgow Warriors fan, Ian. What, what's your take on this appointment? Do you think it, it's it's a good one? Has it come too quickly? Um, well, it it suggests that. It's always kind of been an under underlying thought, um, because this thing I, I just think it's going to cause a lot of disruption to Townsend's backroom staff because Wilson's only been in the job what fifteen months. Uh, January he came in for the Six Nations, I think, because um, yeah, so Dan 80, McFarlane went to Ulster, didn't he, in December? Yeah, so he's he's not been in long at all, and now it's all going to get shaken up again. And I'm just wondering as well as you know if the the early announcement. Is just in case, um, you know, if Rugby Australia say, "Look, we would like Dave Rennie to start building a bit sooner. Here's mm. some money," and you know, the, uh, the SRU don't get caught with their, their pants down. Well, I think the interesting thing there, there's a suggestion in I can't remember where I saw this. It may have been the rugby paper um, that Scott Johnson has publicly said that he's after Matt. He's after Matt Taylor. And there's the the suggestion is that he would want the backroom staff in place to start laying the groundwork for Dave Rennie beforehand, which, like you said, if Danny Wilson's, you know, Scotland may be able to hold on to Danny Wilson until the end of the Six Nations. I think that's if Dave Rennie stays, that's likely. It's whether or not Scotland get given a big bag of cash, which would be you would imagine. I don't know how the pay pay scale works at the SRU, but you would imagine that Matt Taylor's probably on less than Dave Rennie. Yeah, we think so. 
So the company, I mean, they signed contracts, didn't they, till the neck? They, they all signed contracts before the World Cup, all the backroom staff, to with the same length as Townsend, which I think is 2021. I think it was halfway through the World Cup cycle, which we thought was odd at the time, but I suppose it just gives them a get-out cause if, if things aren't going so well. But I think all the backroom staff are at least on another two years contract. But the compensation for Matt Taylor going is going to be less than Dave Rennie. The question is, do Scotland insist on hanging on to him for the Six Nations or does Townsend sort of let him cut and run and, and get somebody in in time for the Six Nations? I mean, it's getting it's getting close yeah, because well, I think some, we're only we're under seventy five days away now, aren't we? Um, yeah. So, I mean, again, you'd have to have a, a list of candidates already quickly drawn up, and who would be available? Because um, we know Sean Edwards isn't, as he'll no. be off to France. Uh, see how long he lasts there. Well, we don't know um, whether he's. I mean, he's he's reneged on about five hundred deals since he announced he was leaving Wales. Sean Edwards. I mean, he was going to Wigan, and then he he was actually photographed holding a Wigan top. And going back to rugby league, and it was all announced oh, like, he was going. And then he said, "Actually, I haven't signed a contract. I'm not going there anymore." And then he was off somewhere else. No, he was staying with Wales, wasn't he, for a bit? But then he said he hadn't signed a con- actually signed a contract, and now he's off to France. I mean, who knows? He's been photographed with a clipboard, looking angry in France. But <laughs> was he wearing a berry? No, not quite. I, I think I think it would suit him actually. Um, I uh, so. Anyway, we'll go back to Matt Taylor, shall we? <laughs> Never mind Sean Edwards. Um, yeah, uh, you know who who would you bring in at a short notice? Um, it would cause too much disruption, even though we've um, wondered about Matt Taylor's position. Yeah, I mean, it uh, seems like I mean, if Danny Wilson's going to Glasgow at the end of the season, th- there is obviously going to be a, a post World Cup review. I mean, I, I don't think we'll necessarily have the results of that announced publicly um about what happened but you would imagine there's going to be some backroom shuffles going on anyway it's just the question is when 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 i think rather than rather than if they happen and it seems likely that we're going to end by by, at least by the end of the six nations you're going to see a whole new backroom staff within within the national setup Uh, and hopefully uh New attacks coach to take that off Townsend. Yeah, who knows? I mean, Matt Matt Sherratt, I think I've got that right. Um, the rugby paper was suggesting that he may be brought into Scotland, but that the the, the link they made was no more than him and Danny Wilson are friends, and he's announced that he's leaving uh, the Ospreys at the end of the season. And I'm not necessarily sure that that an Ospreys back coach is is the heights to which we should be striving to reach. In terms of appointments at international level in Scotland, regardless of how highly someone's thought of, no, it seems pretty tenuous. Um, you know, you think he would have to work his way up to an international position within the SRU, uh, unless you're, you know, extremely highly rated, something like Dan McFarland was. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting the, the the Danny Wilson thing. I mean, a lot of people are saying that this is it's a quick appointment, it's an internal appointment, and whether or not there's how aspirational it is for the SRU to go with someone like Danny Wilson rather than kind of do what they did, they, they said they did with Dave Rennie, which is to kind of, you know, a worldwide search for the most, you know, the best available coach to take Glasgow forward. I mean, it, it, you the, there is that question, I suppose, for all Danny Wilson's track record about whether or not they could have just, there was no need to make an urgent appointment, like you said, whether or not there's the suggestion that, you know, Scott Johnson 
once once Dave Rennie quicker and is willing to stump up a large bag of cash for it. But whether or not they could have at least waited until after December or December January time to see whether you know the question, see whether there, were, there was a longer list of candidates available at that point. Um, but they've gone straight in with with someone that's already there. Do you think? I mean, do you, would you have rather they cast the net further afield than kind of along the along the motorway? Um, yes, uh, and it's actually on um, on your Twitter when you were asking about people's opinions about this. Uh, Craig Halliday, uh, Wilson will get the support of the fans regardless. Uh, a justifiable feeling of being taken for granted is risking everything that has been done at Scotsland. Star players not replaced. Wilson's profile and record doesn't match Rennie's. No quantifiable progress with stadium expansion. Um, and I do think that there's a yeah, there is a, a certain feeling of that um, because you know we've been told that oh, you know we've got big plans in place for the North Stand. We've told that for the last couple of years. Uh, a number of star players haven't been replaced. Um, Hogg, Russell, Nakarawa, even guys like Alex Dunbar. He was on a fair bit of wedge, and you know even if um, Rennie saying you know they, I was at a Q and A last week, and they said they'd cast the net far and wide to look for a, a fullback, couldn't find one within. A decent price range, so they're just going to stick with Seymour. Um, but I think he's going to be a very good 15. Um, you know, I think he's got all the attributes for it, but I think there is this possible feeling that it was already set in stone and it is a bit rushed and it doesn't seem like they've cast a net far and wide at all. Yeah, um, I will just uh, Ian Wallace did get in touch, um, friend of the pod in the beard of Scottish rugby, said, um. With the departures of Russell Hogg and now Rennie, have Warriors now downsized sufficiently to be considered direct entry uh, to an expanded Super 6? Uh, well, that's a bit rich coming from him. Um, <laughs> what's the last Edinburgh attendance? Uh, yeah, I, 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 just, no, I thought well, I'd include that, yeah, that for balance. But it's because we're paying for their stadium, that's why. Yeah, that's why. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, cause, you know, um, and that, well, it seems that and the mascots, mascots are paying for the stadium as well. <laughs> that's true. The the, the three thousand pounds you have to pay to be a mascot at Edinburgh. Um, so yeah, there's a, a lot of people saying. I mean, Bruce McConaughey said it, it feels like the SRU are taking the easy option. Uh, Simon Devon said that the the decision just seems a bit meh. Um, yeah. A few people saying great appointment. Interestingly, Ben Ryan um, on Twitter said it's a it's a very good appointment as well. Um, although Ben Ryan also thinks that Rugby X is a good idea, so I don't know. <laughs> I don't know it's how much it's that... a bit sketchy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah um, who else have we got in touch? Um, Adam Shaw said it's not an appointment that excites me, but I'm more than happy to. I think I think that's the that generally the general sort of response to this has been meh. It's not really an appointment that kind of sets the heather alight or gets people talking and excited about the future. I mean, you know, suck it and see. I mean, the, you don't know what reaction the players are going to have. A lot of them will be familiar with Danny Wilson from working with him at Scotland. But like you said, this does seem to have been lined up to with a kind of succession plan in place that Dave Rennie, you know, was, was going to go at the end of the season, whether it was to Australia or back to Super Rugby one with the other. And so they've got somebody in place, but the repercussions of that is then, well, where 
the impact is going to have on the national setup of losing your forwards, you know, losing a sec, you know, to lose one forwards coach in a couple of years is unfortunate. To, to lose two looks like carelessness. Um, Especially if you're instigating one of the moves yourself. Yes, exactly. So, the, I mean, it was great, interesting on the BBC. Colin Greger, who is the um, f- who played uh, for Scotland, former Scotland Sevens captain, who's normally. I mean, he's kind of still, I think, sort of affiliated with the SIU as one of the kind of ambassadors. And it's not, you know, I I don't think he's, um, he's not necessarily an outspoken kind of former SIU employee that you you get from time to time. He's not kind of one of the old guards that are wheeled out to kind of have a, have a pop now and again. But he, he's come out today to say that it's disappointing. It's a disappointing choice. Um, he said, there's been a lot of talk about the development of young Scottish coaches, especially former players, with only two professional teams in Scotland, opportunities to be head coach are few and far between. Um, he said, of the coaches working under Gregor Townsend, it's interesting that it's Wilson is the one chosen to lead up Glasgow Warriors, rather than, say, a Matt Taylor, who's been alongside Gregor for a long time. He's developed as a coach in Scotland. Did he not want and would he not be suitable for the head role? These guys are ambitious about their individual coaching careers. So yes, they've probably been rubbed up the wrong way as a, and he's saying as a result of um, the appointment of, of Danny Wilson. Um, and that's, inter- that's an interesting thing as well, isn't it? This guy who's kind of, you know, been parachuted in. What, what kind of signal does that send out to the Mike Blairs, to the, you know, I think he was saying this, um, Colin Gregor was saying, you look at John Don... Um, John Diel, who's, who's uh, the Warriors as the forward coach, who left the Kenny sevens. Murray's, Kenny Murray's been there for six years. Yeah. Assistant coach, um, or even even Mike Blair. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, look at what Gregor. I mean, Gregor Townsend went from being the was he attack coach with under Andy Robertson? Attack, yeah, he was the attack coach Andy Robertson, then took over from um, Sean Mullen. Yeah. So there's you know he, uh, what what has Danny Wilson? I mean, he's got form with Cardiff Blues but he's not elsewhere in his career when he's been sort of coached it's kind of been a fairly mixed bag so it's not like if you were considering going for a for want of a better expression the low budget option rather than casting the net far and wide you wonder why you wouldn't go with a with a Scottish candidate yeah for a domestic coach um, just to aid their progression um, because after Cardiff he was forced coach with Di Young at Wasps um, so it's not exactly Major profile stuff. It's not like he was um, working with the WRU or anything like that. Yeah, I mean, he was working with Andy Robinson at uh, Bristol, um, and feel and then left when they failed to get promoted. You know, it's kind of stuff like that. It's not. You don't look it's at it. It's not a stellar CV. No, it's not like kind of you go and saying go for a. Is it Scott? I want to call it say Scott Robinson, but I feel like that's the character from Neighbours rather than the guy I'm thinking of from uh, Super Rugby. The Crusaders coach. Yes. Uh, is, it, oh, is it Robertson or Robertson? I think it's Robertson. Robertson. I want to say Scott yes. Robinson, but I think he he ended up getting married to Charlene in Neighbours. <laughs> um, but you know he's uh, he's on the All Blacks shortlist. But there's this idea that the All Blacks like their coaches to go and get foreign experience. So you know you kind of well, why not just kind of hang off a couple of months and then open up open up to applications, including you know applications from from internal candidates I mean this this does feel like someone's been slotted in I mean unless you know unless it's kind of like it's been advertised on the SIU internet you know internal vacancy <laughs> send your CV and a cover and letter and we'll have a think about it 
uh, and pre-sign this NDA where we're at it. <laughs> um, so I think it's it's going to be suck it and see really with it. I mean, it's like you said that the repercussions are, are kind of fascinating for for the wider the wider team and for you know where where Gregor Townsend goes goes from this. Um, I I mean, looking ahead, you think. This Six Nations is going to be interesting. There's been no, there's not been no announcements from anybody that they're retiring. So we've not heard from Greg Laidlaw to say that he's retiring. We're not. John Barkley hasn't come out and said he's retiring from international rugby, which suggests that that they're, they're thinking about one last tilt at it. So you wonder whether there's going to be one last kind of roll of the dice from from this kind of you know the 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 current regime as it is coaching and players to kind of ease in a succession of the kind of the 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 next generation of players into a kind of a three-year build-up to to the next world cup do you think that's that's kind of where they're going with it um i don't well if it is i don't think they should to be honest because i think maybe it's time that rather than players deciding when they get to retire i think it's time for the coaches to have to say no, I think that's you. It's uh, time to put you out to stud. Yeah. Um. So especially like with John Barkley, you know, there's so many back row options. The the mesh is back in training. Um. Obviously, Richie has now made himself pretty much undroppable. Matt Fagerson started the season in great form. Um. Magnus Bradbury. You know, th- there's options there. So, you know, maybe if it's on on a sort of limited game time, um, sort of basis. But I think maybe it's it's time for, you know, like I said, if players aren't going to re- retire themselves, then maybe it's time for the coaches to do it for them. Just be a bit, you know, just be a bit old yeller about it. Yeah, I suppose that's that thing, isn't it? Is it better to, you know, is it better to burn out than to fade away? And and there's the the kind of Sean Lamont approach to things of saying. I suppose the Ross Ford approach of saying I'm never going to make myself unavailable for selection, but I accept that. I've dropped down the pecking order, or there's the other approach, the kind of the more the I suppose the Tim Visser approach of I'm done with international rugby because I want to spend more time with my family, and you just you know and you, and you announce your retirement before you retire from rugby altogether. Um, but it'll be interesting. I mean, it's going to be interesting. I mean, certainly it looks like, and we've you know I'm I'm about to eat humble pie here. Um, it was a mistake not to take Rory Hutchison to the World Cup. <laughs> yeah, he did seem to be the, the form guy, um, and obviously, you know, that's the thing. In the two World games, he had, he looked really good. Uh, Taylor didn't look fit, and we know how good Duncan Taylor can be, but that's not the point. Um, so yes, maybe some. Well, it's not just you that I think has to be humble pie. I think maybe Mister Townsend should as well. But yeah, you know, hindsight's a beautiful thing, isn't it? It is. It's a wonderful thing. Um, the other thing as well that's been announced um, that's that's interesting is Scotland's um, calendar for next year, which prior to the World Cup I would have said looks exciting, but I think <laughs> following the World Cup just looks utterly terrifying. It's going to be a long 12 months of international rugby for Scotland. Um, so there's the six nations we know about. You've got... Um, it's the the two home games this this year in um against um England uh in the fir- in the fir- yeah and all against England because we play Ireland first Ireland away first then England at home Italy away France at home 
and Wales away. I think we've we've talked about this in previous podcasts about where where you know Scotland needs to get. I mean, aside from Italy, I think Scotland needs to be targeting getting another away win, and 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 Wales is possibly the one to do it given they're in transition. Um, it's it's hard. I I, I don't. I, I think they'll. They, it's they've got the potential to beat France. I'm not sure where where Scotland will be with England. I think it's the the Pandora's box of which Scotland turn up. We're almost coming turning into France in that way. Um, the the terrifying point comes where um, Scotland have fought long, long and hard to get a seat at the big table when it comes to summer tests, and and just just as we've um, crashed and burned in the World Cup, we finally got our place at that table, uh, and Scotland are going to be playing two summer tests in South Africa against the world champions, South Africa. Um, we will be the first team to play them after the World Cup on Saturday the fourth uh, and the eleventh of July. The exact locations and kickoff times have, be, have, have to be confirmed. South Africa are also playing Georgia in a, in in during that. So we are we are essentially South Africa's tier one opposition that during the summer tests. Yep, it's going to be like uh, getting thrown to the lions. Literally, yeah. Um, I mean, they could probably put out I don't know, like a Southern King side and still causes problems. Yeah, <laughs> yeah cheers. cheers. Cheaters would just would just be, oh, imagine cheaters playing Scotland. Yeah, just be chucking a bit. Mad. Uh, I don't think I'd, I'd, I still don't think I'd be that confident. Um, Scotland, <laughs> no, have, Scotland have also then travel from South Africa to New Zealand. So like with with jet lag as well, are then going. So you've got a seven day turnaround from South Africa to New Zealand. Now, the time difference there. What's the time difference between here and New Zealand? It's something. It's like eleven hours, uh, ten hours. Oh, it's more than that. I think it's. 12, 12 or 13, might even be 13 this time of year. Yeah, so there's a that basically, you've got, South Africa is generally, in fact, I'm going to check my world clock just to be clear on this. So we're playing, uh, so we don't know where we're playing South Africa, but if you, uh, let's just, for argument's sake, we're playing Cape Town. Cape Town's on the Greenwich Meridian, isn't it? So it's, oh no, Cape Town's two hours ahead. So we're two hours ahead for Cape Town. Um, but if we put in, for example... Or Dunedin's not on there. Give me somewhere else uh, in New Zealand. Auckland. Auckland, yeah. Let's just say Auckland, if I can spell it right. Auckland, New Zealand is... Um, has Auckland gone? 13 hours ahead. So it's it's 11 hours ahead of Cape Town. So you've got seven days... I mean, if, I mean, probably from a tourist point of view, you pitch up somewhere and you, you probably get over the jet lag in seven days, but you're preparing for an international rugby match against the number... I mean... Against New Zealand, yeah. I mean, you know, the number one side in the, you know, they may not be number one at the moment, but the number one side, rugby side in the world, with a seven-day turnaround and you're shifting, you know, you're doing 11 hours of jet lag to get up, get over. Yeah. And they're, you know, they're, that's probably going to be some of their first matches since the World Cup, so they're going to be hurting from that still. Yeah. So, um, yeah, maybe, I don't know, the summer, it's going to be a long summer, rugby-wise, I think. Um, a long July. Uh, early summer. Early summer, yeah, it's July, isn't it? Um, and then um, in the autumn, the autumn tests announced. Um, Japan had been announced last week. Um, coincidentally, around the same time as the big uh, the announcement came out, that the, the SRU being fined for comments made in Japan. Um, but we're also playing Argentina, and the All Blacks are coming back just to... <laughs> as if it wasn't bad enough playing them in the summer. <laughs> Coming back to have a second pop at Murrayfield. See if we've learned our lesson yet. 
yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, you look at that. That's, I mean, it's a big year for Scottish rugby, and given they've been banging on about trying to get tier one opposition during the summer and more tier one opposition during the autumn, it's a they really need to step up and and actually show that they deserve a place at the table. Yeah, well, it's all going to start with us Six Nations, isn't it? Um, well, so I'm going to start with making sure we've got a full backroom staff in place. Yeah. Um, but no, we'll wait and see. You know, it's like, like we've always been saying, we're here for them. Well, we need to learn these lessons. Let's see what lessons have been learned and uh, keep our fingers crossed because it's going to be, I mean, that's a that's a hell of a calendar year, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, there's, what, this was potentially going to be my hands in the ruck this week, um, but I've, I've gone with something else, was um, that I ended up agreeing with Eddie Jones. Um, Eddie Jones is on a, on a book tour at the minute and is going around trying to be nice about people just so he can sell his book for Christmas. Um, and he said, I mean, it's a bit of a backhanded compliment, this, but he's essentially said that Scotland should aim to be the best small uh, team in world rugby. I think he means small in terms of size rather than yeah. stat, rather than kind of our standing within the game, I think. Um, he's talking about sort of playing quick, fast rugby in the style of Japan, saying we kind of need to accept that we're not going to win every game. We're not one of those teams, but we can cause problems for the big boys now and again. And I mean, there's something in that. I mean, really resource-wise, probably top, you know, a regular place within the top eight is is where we should be aiming to be. Top five would be a good stretch. A regular kind of top five would be a good stretch, but... Uh, I think things are getting so tight at the top now. Everyone's taking points off each other. I don't think it's realistic with the resources we have to to kind of think about being number one in the world. Because I think that's probably that's that's not something that's going to happen, is it? Uh, got to keep the dream alive, can we? Do, we? Well, I know it's it's um, the, it's the winter. I've got this. I've got this. I've got seasonal affective <laughs> disorder. <laughs> Um, no, but I mean, he's he does. Uh, it was unfortunate that he does have a point because. Um, we know we're not going to bully teams. We're not. We don't have big, massive forwards like South Africa or England or France. Um, well, that France thing's kind of been. I think that's been disproven now. But never mind. Um, but yeah, so it is all about stretching teams and trying to play fast, attacking rugby, just not not letting teams settle, making them make mistakes, and also having. I mean, if if you're going to try and carve teams open, you need to be error free. Your execution needs to be. You need to be the excellence of execution, yeah. um, and uh, that unfortunately hasn't been the case. No, well, you need to. I mean, I was thinking about this because I watched the highlights of the Racing Saracens match, um, and the the kind of the 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 entire gamut of Finn Russell playbook was was on show, including a drop ball that led to a Saracens intercept try, um, and and almost like if you're playing that high risk rugby, what you need is is an it, you maybe need to accept that you're going to make errors and you need some insurance policies against it perhaps i don't know how what you would do but maybe just in the way that kind of the the attacks set up that if you know that you're you're playing high stakes and there's a risk of a drop ball or an intercept that you maybe provide more cover somewhere i don't know how you would do that but that's not it's not my job to i'm not an attack coach or a defense coach <laughs> Um, but it seems like we don't have well, we don't have an attack coach and the no. defence we might not have a defence coach soon as well. <laughs> yeah, who knows? Um 
but yeah, so it's yeah, and and like I said, an interesting an interesting time time ahead um, in in Scottish rugby, uh, as always. Um, in terms of Europe, then um, Glasgow and Sale, um, that was. I mean, it's an interesting game. I mean, looking, I mean, you know, it seems that Glasgow had the best of the match for most of it. I mean, do you think that kind of letting in that try at the end is going to and, and sort of conceding the losing bonus points going to come back and bite them on the bum? Um, no, I don't think just losing that one bonus point is going to going to matter. Maybe if it, you know, if it was a higher scoring game, it meant Sale had maybe picked up two uh, bonus points um, for like a try bonus point, then it would be an issue. But um, you know, I think it's going to be so close in this group anyway uh, that it's going to take. Well, you know, you need to win your home games and always one away. So then, I mean, I don't know, but with Sale, because if it had so many new players brought in, you're not sure how they're going to settle. But, you know, they are going to, they've got like, I think it's nine South Africans in their squad now. Mm. Um, so they're, they're going to be physical. Um, but I don't I don't think that one point, uh, hopefully that losing bonus point won't be enough to, to derail us. Yeah. I mean, you've got to wonder, I mean, again, Sale didn't have a full strength side up. I mean, they've still got. Uh, I think Faf de Klerk to come back. Um, yeah, Faf de Klerk, Ludde Jaeger. Yeah, so you've got, I mean, the, the only thing I wonder is whether or not when it comes to Glasgow playing. Uh, things might be different. Um, that, that, you know, when they do play Sail Away, Sail Away, Sail Away, that they, they do, um, <laughs> that, that, that it's a different. You know they're facing a very different team. I mean, I suppose that's always been the issue with Glasgow and Europe. It's the away. I mean, it's the same as it comes back to the Scotland problem as well as the away. The away games are the ones that 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 matter. I mean, Exeter this week, I suppose, is is, is an interesting question. I mean, Exeter have a bit of a mixed bag at the start of the season, I think. Mm. Um, yeah, because I saw them their collapse against Bristol. Uh... But uh, you know they they they're one of those teams that Glasgow always hate to play against. They're a team that can just grind you down through you know ball retention, just close quarter carrying, um, and it's you know it's the the season for that kind of game. Um, so I'm not sure what the forecast's like for Saturday, but um, we'll, we'll see about that one. Uh, but it's you know it's well Exeter are such a good team, you know. Should should probably be the uh, the Gallagher Premiership champions. Um, yeah. It was wasn't for somebody diddling the accounts. Um, that's why it's going to be extremely tough. Yeah, I mean the inter- the 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 other kind of interesting talking point for me was just I, you know, how good George Horn is is and and the kind of I think the World Cup has done him the world of good in terms of his confidence and the way he's playing. I mean that that one incident where just before he was subbed for Ali Price. Where he goes for the intercept, and it's it's such a split second decision to like flip his wrist, almost like do a dummy intercept, and just flick his wrist at the very last split split second, so he doesn't touch the ball and knock it on. It's just that 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 deliberate decision making. Cause that was no accident when you watch it back on the replay. <laughs> it's um, I mean that that's got that's you know that that that's got to be a good thing that that he's really kicking on now. Yeah, he's got real sort of um, ring craft, doesn't he? Uh, and let's think, like, Warriors always seem to have two very good scrum halves. I prefer Horn to Price. 
Um, but obviously, I know how good Ali Price is. But you know, I think George Horn. He always seems to have had this reputation as being the impact impact sub. Um, but now that he's he's sort of been forced to get eighty minutes under his belt and be the starting scrum half, uh, he's really reveling in it, and you know, he's such a good player that um, you know I expected him to. Yeah, I mean, he's he's always kind of added that kind of he's got a bit more patience about his game, I suppose. Like you said, if he's not, if he's having to kind of run the game a bit more and not come on as the the impact sub, he he just again, it just sort of, he he seemed that there's definitely been an improvement in his game since he's come back from from the World Cup. Um, I mean, it's Johnny Gray's been given an extended um, leave of absence just because of the amount of rugby I think he played over the last. The last year, um, I thought Scott Cummings was 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 good. Again, it's another kind of he's. I think the you know the, the his experience at the World Cup's really done on the world of good as well. Uh, very much so, because um, he's you know he, he's had sort of injury disrupted the last couple of years. Um, played a fair bit last year, uh, but obviously he's always been behind guys like Johnny Gray and um, you know Al Kellogg, Rob Harley, Tim Swinson. Uh, so yeah, I think you know, getting that promotion up to test level, and and you know, showing that he can perform there as well, I think that's done him really well. Uh, and you know, he was starting to, start to get picked in the the higher profile games towards the end of last season as well. And again, you know, performing to a pretty good standard. Yeah, I mean, I suppose the only downside would be that the the it, it felt like the kind of defence switched off for a split second for the for the sale try. There just wasn't. The, I mean, it's was, uh, and possibly Cummings. Just the, the communication wasn't there to kind of shift the line along to to plug the gap quick enough. And I don't. It wasn't. I don't think it was anything particularly smart that Sale did. It was just that there was a gap, and I think it was possibly Price was the only one there to potentially stop it, which is never what you want on the line to have your scrum half as oh. the last man there. Um, so that's maybe. Maybe an area to work on. I think it just seemed to be a lack of communication than anything else. Uh, yeah, I mean, I thought the defence was pretty solid throughout the rest of the game, but um, particularly the first half, I thought the first half was an excellent performance and um, probably deserves to be more than 13 points in the lead. But, you know, if you, you don't take your chances, that's um, there's a couple of missed penalties, for example. Um, but, you know, you always know that Sale with that kind of all that meat they've got in there with all those South Africans we were talking about. Uh, and again, being a Premiership team, they can sort of just grind you down into the Glasgow second half. Execution wasn't quite as good as it was and, you know, you switch off for a second. Um, that kind of level of rugby you're going to, going to run the risk of conceding. Yeah. Um, any more for, about Glasgow? Anything else that stand out for you? Um, no, I don't think so. No. no. Um. No. Edinburgh then, um, which was possible to watch live without commentary randomly on the uh, challenge, the Challenge Cup website. They, I think they broadcast all games that weren't weren't on the TV, which is which is a, a step up from um, last year, where I think they broadcast no, no games were picked up by any broadcasters at all until the latter stages. Um, so that was good to see. Um, I I think you can't watch the game back though. Sadly, it's not like on Premier sports where it's there for for a couple of weeks to watch back so i'm i didn't watch it at the time because it wasn't around but i've seen the highlights um it seemed quite an assured performance remember i think that still probably defense could need to maybe a bit tightening up that's maybe being a bit picky given that one thirty one ten. um i thought um 
Is it George George Taylor looks good? Again, Myanmar really seems to be producing centres. I mean, I suppose Scottish rugby in general, there seems to be a, a plethora of centres coming through at the minute. Yes, yeah, centres and back rows everywhere. Um, you know, Stafford McDowell. I mean, he was he was actually playing Super Six at the weekend. Yeah. Because um, there's so many centre options at Glasgow. Yeah. So you want? I mean, no, I don't know. It kind of feels like I don't know what's been happening in the academies. <laughs> Just been like, you're no. a centre, you're a back row, you're a centre, you're a back row. And nobody's ever thinking, where's the hookers come from? <laughs> <Nobody's> <laughs> any props? <laughs> Going to feed a couple of these boys up and get them get them in the front row. Um, Damien Hoyland, I thought, I mean, he's, you know, Damien Hoyland's kind of been on the fringes for years now, but he obviously seems to be the perennial kind of, he's about to break through. I thought his try was very well taken in terms of this, his vision to see the space uh, in behind. Um, and again, you know, Simon Hickey again, you know, this kind of, is his second season? I, can't, I think it's his second season, isn't it? Yeah. Really um, kind of has kind of come into it's always taken him a season to settle which it does sometimes with players doesn't it you get, get some some hit the ground running but he's kind of really settling into it now kind of seems to pick up on the pace of play and and the way things are going and and, and the setup uh Aroni Sao I thought looked looked good it was a good signing he looked quite exciting on the wing from from the bits I saw um but yeah I, I, like I said I wasn't able to watch it live and there isn't any uh, you get, there's no way to watch the full game back so I wasn't really able to watch the highlights but it's a bonus point win, so so we'll see where 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 that goes. Any, did you have any anything particular for for Ben? But I know I'd, I know Ian Ian Wallace has sent you some comments, but I don't know if you want to read them out after his earlier insulting contribution. Uh, well, he he didn't see it either actually. So, uh, but you know, good old uh, Sandy Smith, uh, our good colleague here at the blog, he's uh, he sent me something. He said he watched it. Uh, Taylor was good in defence and attack. Uh, Cammy Fenton did top the tackle charts. Um, Thompson was good too, and Charlie Shield was a breath of fresh air. Uh, but of course, um, Nick Haining has been cited and found guilty. Yes. Uh, just recently, uh, just before we came on, he's got a two-week ban, and Edinburgh aren't appealing. It wasn't really clear what he did. From the descriptions, it wasn't entirely clear. It was striking with the head, so he's he's tried to wrap the knot on somebody. <laughs> Um, I think he said thirty third minute, uh, possible, possibly something at a ruck. So maybe he's gone torpedoing himself in. Yeah. So, but I mean, I, I think it was um, when we were speaking to Sandy last, and a couple of people said he's he's really kind of hit the ground running for someone that's kind of supposed to be a bit of a, a bit of a journeyman, kind of yeah. filling in for during the Six Nations thing. So, yeah, it's a kind of like I said, you kind of. Understand why Glasgow fans might feel like the poor poor relations at the minute with the depth that that um, the Ember bringing, but I don't know whether or not that's just you know when you compare this Ember to the Ember of two seasons ago, it maybe feels like I mean the pace of change at Ember is faster than Glasgow, but that's because Ember started off in a much worse position, maybe. Yeah, and it's not like they've made any sort of marquee signings as such. You know, guys like Richie and Bradbury, they've come through. Um, through the system, um, and some of them they just found some diamonds in the rough. Guys like Duhan, Van der Merwe, um, uh, Bill Mata, obviously. Uh, Roni Sow looks like he's you know he's uh, I've seen him a couple of times. He looks like he's settling in quite well. He's a big, powerful winger. Um, so yeah, um, yeah, you know some fans always like to think they're getting hard done by. Uh, 
but no, it's you know, it's a lot of the, like I said, a lot of guys have come through, or they're just diamonds in the rough. Yeah. Um, elsewhere, then, um, you were at the Scotston uh, last weekend for the women's autumn test against Wales, um, and you you very uh, nicely got some audio as well from the uh, from the press conference. Who was who was at the press conference? Uh, there's Brian Eason, uh, one of the assistant coaches, and uh, Captain Rachel Malcolm. Okay, well, we'll hear from them now, and I'll, then we'll come back and uh, you can let us know uh, how how exciting that match was, Ian. I think you know South Africa was a real plus point for us, and I think we've got to always remember that you know we've, it's, it's a longer season now, but we're building up towards a World Cup qualifier. So South Africa was good; it was a step in the right direction. We're building towards that World Cup qualifier, so. Um, Performances are important, but also just building towards that. So, but today was—I wouldn't say you're right. Maybe not a step back, but it wasn't a step forward from South Africa, which was disappointing. I think set pieces. We talked about it in the change room. We talked about it after the game. The set pieces really let us down first half, and when you're seventeen-three down at half time, you then—I suppose the way you play changes, um, and our, we chased the game a little bit too much. Probably played too much rugby in the middle third of the pitch rather than when you're closer you can kick you can get more um, more territory so the set piece was really disappointing and it's very difficult to play without without good clean ball what do you think yeah I think we we always knew that that's kind of Wales's big threat is that physical physical way they like to play especially at set piece time I think that's something that we probably did better in training and you know we let ourselves down a bit tonight and it's a big work on for us going forward so um, yeah so like Brian says it's very difficult to play without your own set piece so um, we made life quite difficult for ourselves um, but yeah something we'll definitely build on going forward is that something we can fix? yeah 100% um, 100% and that is you know from where we were uh, even six months ago I think our set piece is moving forward um, I think tonight we had a, a tough tough day at the office um, with that um, but it's it's not a massive step back. We know where we're at, um, and we know where we need to get to, and, and we're like Brian says on a journey to get there, and we can't get there. So you know that's sometimes how games go. Um, you find areas that you thought were going to go better, and you know they present a different picture potentially to what we we thought we would get. And I think in the second half we showed a bit of fight and showed a bit of character, um, and responded a bit better to to what they brought. Um, but bottom line is we've got to start better than we did today. Uh, so. Um, I think your match report was fairly uh, comprehensive, Ian, in that it was this was kind of like scrum fest. Oh, uh, yeah, it was. I don't think there was actually a scrum for the first fifteen minutes or so, um, or that. Yeah, maybe about 10, 15 minutes, ten fifteen minutes, um, and then you know there was because there kept on being a failure to execute by Scotland and it led to scrums, and whenever Wales got put in on their scrum, they just basically ran over the top of Scotland's scrum. So every single option, every free kick, every penalty, it was scrum, scrum, scrum. I've I've no idea how many. I couldn't find the stats on ESPN or anything, but <laughs> it was just oh, it was it it was it wasn't a good advert for the game. I, I don't think I don't feel um, it got tedious really really quickly. Mm. And not and not just because Scotland were getting thumped, you know. But the, I mean the scrums. John had put this as his hands in the rock a couple of weeks ago. Um, how you know the scrum shouldn't have such an impact on the game, and it did just completely decide the game. Because the, the score was the same uh, at half time as it was at full time, and everything came off a set piece, and mainly because of scrums. Yeah, I mean, is it was that down to? Do you think is it 
other women's team try to play the kind of same kind of high high tempo backspace rugby that the 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 men's team are going for, and it's just that kind of high risk rugby results in more errors like knock ons that result in the scrums. Yeah, very much so. Um, you know, they even got to a stage where they'd stopped uh, in the second half. They stopped um, going for even lineouts with a set piece. If they got a penalty, they were just tapping and going because they knew that's where their, their strength is. Uh, unfortunately, um, you know, it was just that sort of that last pass uh, was was always something up with it. Um, it was either people players were overrunning or the pass was just a little bit too far ahead. Um, the kicking game wasn't fantastic, you know. If they were trying to play the sort of Scotland um, men's kicking game, you know, the grubbers through from Finn Russell and what have you, and little chip kicks, none of those were executed very well. Uh, so a few things to work on, but in particular the scrum. <laughs> yeah, and then Japan this weekend, isn't it? So maybe, I mean, perhaps maybe a bit more parity then physically. Um, yes, you know, Brian Eaton, um, as we said in the press conference, uh, you know the. Japanese women's team, they're, they're like the men's team so he expects it to be a bit more free-flowing, so I think it'll be a better spectacle uh, this weekend um, and you know, it should be, uh, be a lot more fast-paced we should see a lot of um, you know, uh, wingers making a lot of metres, I, I reckon because that's, that's really Scotland's strength and depth, it's like Chloe Raleigh and Rona Lloyd for example, they, they made a couple of really good breaks, but um, then you know Scotland are always just conceding a, a penalty, they break down a couple of phases later, or or knocking on and then getting mashed in the scrum and losing all the, the advantage they just made. Yeah, who who knew that uh, Wales women would also be an entire boring team to sit and watch as well? Must be, uh, who knew? Who knew? <laughs> the, their standoff was really good. You know, she she orchestrated things well, but it was just once they even at times you know. If, there was a knock on and they had advantage and they could have played on. It was just like, nah, nah, we'll just wait for it here. We'll just take the scrum. Thank you very much. Yeah. So, yeah. No. So perhaps maybe a better advert for, for women's international rugby coming this weekend um, against Japan. Um, the one bit of news we didn't pick up on that's probably worth just worth touching on is it looks like uh, CVC, who have been circling the sport of rugby like ravenous, ravenous vultures or coyotes, um, and basically, buy. They seem to want to invest in all rugby, at all levels. Um, they are buying um, some of the rights for Pro Fourteen. Don't know how this works. It's like a majority. They're buying a majority stake in the actual league. Um, this is going to end up in. They're giving 120 million um, for a 27 percent stake. Which I sound like I'm on Dragons Den. We want 120 million from CVC for a 27 per stake in our business. Um, we run it. We run a, a league based across two continents. Um, we have we have really bad referees. Um, the um, it looks like Scotland, Scotland, the SRU will will benefit for about 35 million as as a result of of it. Um, one of the interesting things. Um, was it's kind of a comment? I think Gareth uh, Blood Mud touched on this um, this week. Was talk? It was Gareth Davis, um, who's the WRU chairman, was kind of saying it might. It kind of takes somebody external to come in. I, I mean, the exact quote is: it, "It probably needs an external partner to knock heads and to more commercialise what is regarded as an underexploited sport." Um. 
the other quote was rugby's not always good at working together because there are a lot of areas of self-interest now uh, Lee and Josh on Blood and Mud were suggesting that might be given that CVC I think are also investing in or have invested in Premiership rugby we may end up with an England with a, a British and Irish league the only reason I don't think that will happen is because there's no way that English teams are going to agree to that without a salary cap being put in place and there ain't no way in hell that any Irish teams agreeing to a salary cap <laughs> well, there's no, no way in hell that the Scottish or Welsh teams could afford the salary cap for more than two years no <laughs> for the level they want to set it up yeah I mean Ian Ian was um, one of his other comments to me was uh, that, that whether or not Embra end up in a kind of tier, you end up with a with a two tier competition with a kind of a Premiership and a Division One with maybe promotion and relegation, and whether Embra end up in in the tier two. But I don't, I I don't know. I don't I don't see it being. I don't see that happening because I think this, as much as it might be an external partner knocking heads together, I don't. You can knock heads together all you want, but like I said, I don't think there's any, the international game remains the big, the big kind of money draw. In, in rugby, that's where the WRU, it's where the SIU, it's where the IRF, you get most of their money to fund not just the pro size, but grassroots as well. So I think if you start agreeing to salary caps, then that's to the detriment of the international game for those countries. And all of a sudden, you, the, you know, 35 million doesn't compensate for that to go to enter in the British and Irish League. What what happens with it? I don't know. I think it's more likely that they, they they just try and find ways of trying to sell it, sell the TV rights around the world somehow. Or maybe even that American expansion that they keep threatening. Yeah, which isn't you know it's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, we the 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 South African mini tours have kind of apart from the guy that got his hand bitten off by a lion. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know the the South African tours have kind of worked out all right it just i suppose it just depends on timings and how you fit you know trips across to america in with with other parts of the calendar um so yeah i mean it's it's interesting it's more money coming into sport but to what end i don't i don't know and where that money's going to go i don't know either third protein perhaps perhaps i think it's a lot you're looking at a lot more than 35 million for a third pro team and how sustainable it is, because thirty-five million will get you maybe a season by yeah, the time pay for yeah. all the infrastructure and the wages. But it's not thirty-five million a year; it's a one-off lump sum payment. Uh, so, um, the offside line. There's a good article on the offside line, um, as always. Um, David Barnes got a write-up on the CVC deal. Um, kind of pointing out it's a bit of a mixed bag in terms of investment CVCs had in the past. Um, in terms of some of the other um, things, um, there was a rather unfortunate quote. From somebody about um, what CVC had done to Formula One, um, had sexually assaulted it. I think is, is uh, to paraphrase it. According to Bob Furling, perhaps a better choice of words uh, might have been more appropriate. But it's yeah, um, all their actions have been taken to extract as much money from the sport as possible and to put in as little as possible. He said in 2016. So we shall see. We shall see what happens with that. But watch that bit, bit much, bit of watch this space. Um, we're going to move on now. Um, I'll just queue up the jingle when I can find it. Um, we've got one of these this week. Well, we looked high and we looked low. We seen doggy on in speedos. But I just want to know, did you see the legend that's doggy down the lane? Yes.
Yes, it's Where's Dougie Donnelly. This is the part of the podcast where we ask you to get in touch with anybody associated with Scottish rugby, um, tangentially or um, vaguely or directly. Um, we like to hear from you. And and this was, uh, Ian Wallace has been in, in, this is all part of the same exchange, but he, he got in touch to say um, that he saw Mark Dodson in an X5 uh, today now. I then got confused because I thought he was talking about the X Five bus because Ian <laughs> Ian's a bus driver, um, but he, apparently the X Five is also a type of car. Yes, it's a BMW. It is, yes. So he saw he saw Mark Dodson driving about in a nice flash car in Edinburgh. Could be in a test drive, might be his own car. Who knows? Um, who knows? Um, the other great for that CVC money. I, <laughs> that's where it's all gone. All gone on a BMW X Five. Um, that's not true. We've got no evidence that that's that is the case. Um, the other um, ni- just just nice little where's Dougie Donnelly? I had this. Where it was actually this is kind of a bit of a it's a Dougie Donnelly sighting, and it's not rugby related necessarily. But um, there's a uh, golfer called um, Bob McIntyre. He's a young lad um, who's been um, sort of on it's sort of uh, the, the beginnings of the tour. And basically, um, he came off the golf course, um, having played a bad round, um, and ended up having a dinner with Sam Torrance and Ken Brown and Dougie Donnelly, and said basically he had such a lovely time with them, and they were so nice, and they just had, had some great crack that he uh, felt much better and played better as a result. Excellent. So there you so go. You know, I think he's been nominated for sort of Rookie of the Year. Yeah, he had been. Yeah, I think he said it was. It was his. I think that the the story was that his chat with at least there's a headline something like um, how dinner with Sam Torrance and Dougie Donnelly helped Bob McIntyre in a bid to become European Tour's Rookie of the Year. I'll try to find the quote because it was quite a nice one. Um, he said it was absolutely brilliant. Uh, the state of mind when I came when I um, came off the golf course was not good. And though my head was clear, by the time I went to dinner to listen to some of the stories they had from their time on tour was brilliant. I thought travelling for me was tough at times, but it is easy compared to some of the journeys they had to make. Um, they, I was just treating me as one of the boys. It was normal chat and just what I needed, especially the way I played on Friday. There's a bit of reality before getting back to playing golf the next day. I think what we need to do is we, we need to get Dougie in as the mental skills coach for Scottish rugby. Uh, absolutely. Just anecdotes, uh, you know, pre-game Half time. Um, get, get the what we need the corner of the the dressing room, Sterling furniture armchair. Dougie just sat there with a glass of whiskey, just telling anecdotes at half time, just to chill everybody out, make everyone feel better. And he's got got to have the microphone as well. It's not plugged in or anything, but he's he's got to hold a microphone. That's it. Maybe a bit a game of Shabby Do. I think he had as his uh, was it Shabby Do? His, his we his thing his, his quiz he used to do. Maybe hold that full time just to. Help everyone unwind. I, I have no recollection of this. Are you sure that wasn't some kind of fever dream? It may, it may well have been. I'm sure we, we've discussed this before. Dougie Donnelly definitely hosted a quiz. I'm going to check. I want to say it's Shabby Doo, but I think I may be, I may be getting confused with the cartoon Scooby Doo. Um, Dougie Donnelly quiz. Um, let's have a look. His career. Doesn't say whether Wikipedia is going to be rubbish at this. Just tell me he's been on quizzes. There we go. So there's no. So if, if anybody knows what quiz Dougie Donnelly uh, hosted, he does host the. Uh, he does have 
Dead, of course, Dougie Donnelly's quiz night at Clyde FC. Um, so so who knows where I'll, um what what that was? I'm definitely def- desperately trying to find this, but it's gone. I did have a photograph of him presenting it at one point, but it's gone. Oh no, here it go. It was it was called yeah, shabby shabby dab, shammy shammy dab. Has a yeah, the made in 1988. There's a theme song. I might try and find that for another episode. So if anyone remembers Shammy Dab, get in touch and and tell us what that was about because the internet, apart from a photograph of Dougie Donnie presenting it, the internet is is silent on that. Um, We'll move on then. We'll do, we'll do our, we'll come up to our last section. So um, I'll just cue the jingle up. Yes, it's time for Hands in the Ruckets or any other business section of the podcast uh, where we talk about things sometimes to do with Scottish rugby, sometimes further afield that have have either bothered us or pleased us um, during the week. Um, we had one from Michael Adamson. Um, his is, what has Hugh Jones done to pee off Dave Rennie? It's, he played quite well in pre-seasons. A lot of people calling for him to be named. Is it just, I mean, this is, I think the pen and wrote a bit for Scrum on this suggesting that maybe he needs to get some time away on loan to rediscover his form. And what's your take on this, on the Hugh Jones situation? Is it, is it, is it player or coach or a bit of both? Um, I think it's maybe a bit of both. Um, but, you know, Hugh Jones has had these opportunities and he's not taken them. Um, we've discussed his form many occasions and it's, you know, it's just simply not been consistently good enough. Um, and just so happens, you know, I, I'm not the biggest fan of Nick Grigg, but uh, I thought he was really good against Sale. Um, a lot of the time he jumps out of the line too quick, but he was, his discipline was a lot better. But he was, you know, making sure that he, he sped out of the line to make the tackle um, rather than, you know, leave an easy two on one on. Um, and Kyle Staines come in as well. And Hugh Jones, you know, he's had his chances, he's just not performed well enough. Mm. Um, or maybe Dave Rennie doesn't like his, you know, he often goes on about off the ball work. Um, maybe he doesn't like that side of his game particularly. I mean, that's always been the thing, hasn't it? So that's kind of always what the reason has been given is it's his, it's off the ball. You know, his attacking is fine, but it's the off the ball work and the defence that where the questions are. And you, yeah, especially at centre, you can't have that part of your game lacking at all because it's such a, a fundamental part of what what a centre is supposed to do. Yeah, because you know, well, we've seen what happens when he doesn't get his defending right; he gets torn apart. And obviously, you know, at times we've, you know, not always blamed him and said, "Oh no, it's a systemic issue." Look, here's he's been left hung out to dry because Ali Price has had to go in and play sweeper. I think that was against Wales uh, for the Davis try. Yeah. Um, and you know, when Jonathan Joseph ran riot at at Twickenham, um, it was often around huge ones. But you know, it's. Uh, Obviously, Dave Rennie just prefers a myriad of other options there. Yeah, it's be interesting to see what happens with with Danny Wilson coming in, whether that changes or whether or not maybe he does need to go. It, it was it was weird. He kind of he signed the con, new contract at a very odd time because he was kind of on a. I think was he injured at the time even, and there was I think he's on the cusp of kind of going one way or the other for him. He was kind of you know needed to do a bit more, but. It didn't quite go well for him after that contract. You kind of wonder whether the move to Leicester might have actually been a, not a bad thing for him. Yeah, because I remember sort of taking credit for him re-signing. Um, <laughs> <of the team. laughs> 
I see him doing karaoke uh, at, at the Scotland South Africa game. I think of course, it was. Yes, it was. Yeah. Yep. Um, and yeah, it's just you know, you'd, you'd hope then because he was shown obviously he had that amazing behind the back pass to to um, contribute to a try for Pete Horn, I think it was. Uh, and you, you thought you know that's him back to his best, but it's just never never clicked into gear. No, no. So another another interest. I want to see whether or not the the various shufflings are, are going to affect that. Uh, Bruce McConaughey got in touch in terms of the shufflings and said uh, his hands in the ruck is SRU not throwing their CVC money at Sean Edwards. <laughs> yes, good show. Yeah, because uh, obviously the the D is a, an issue. It is a massive issue. So we will again. You uh, would think something may happen. May happen there. It might just be a case of, I suppose. How much do you want to go, or or sitting out and waiting till 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 someone like Australia Rugby comes in and says we'll give you money to release them, and then you can use that money to pay somebody other, someone else's contract off. Else. Yeah, go and go and buy someone else's contract out somewhere else. Um, so get yeah, it'd be interesting to see what happens there. I mean, I, I think the main thing, like we said, is you would hope they don't just go for the easy option of appointing internally for these jobs, and they do cast that net wider. And we end up with kind of international class coaches, if not world class coaches, in those positions. But we shall see. Um, what's what's at its hands in your ruck this week, then, Ian? Um, not a great deal, actually. Um, although point of order, um, from podcast two two ones ago when we were talking about the Scotland seven squad, and we forgot to mention Scott Bickerstaff of Margaret and called up. Oh, of course, because we just, we just talked about um, what's his name, Femi whatever his name is um, so yes we, we forgot about him so we're sorry Scott and I've already sent a grovelling Twitter apology to his mum well that's um, as, as we so, should so of course so we're all good yeah um, but no I think you touched on something earlier about Eddie Jones being on the charm offensive rugby onslaught have been annoying me a bit with their you know the kissing like kissing Joe Marler's arse and you know, now that Eddie Jones is on the charm offensive to sell his book just in time for Christmas call me a cynic if you will um, you know they're, they're being all look at look how humble and you know the old hashtag respect kind of crap. Yeah, I know. I I have to say the I don't know if you saw it, the they had the England team on the Jonathan Ross show and it's one of these things that for some reason Facebook just throws me random videos now and again. And, yeah, and, and yeah, and they said that, it was hilarious. I didn't find it. it no, there's a couple of points I want to pick up on this. Um, I've got a few wee mini hands in the ruck this week. Um, the first one was, in terms of that one, the, the England team admitted that they couldn't form a semicircle. And that's, you know, so I think that, that might be something we want to build into our tactics. If we can force them <laughs> to try and the, to position where they have to form a semicircle, they'll be all over the place. Um, the other thing was that I thought Joe Marler's whole shtick was bordered on homophobic. Um, there was the comic on called Tom. I forget his second name. He's called Tom, and he's he's one of he's on Mock the Week and stuff a lot. And Joe Marler serenaded him with an Adele song, and that felt quite uncomfortable. And given the whole thing that the comedian was talking about was how he was kind of, I think he was bullied at private school by rugby boys for oh. being gay. And then at one point, Joe Marler backed away from him face first and it wasn't entirely sure what what joke he was trying to make and the camera kind of cut away so mm. hmm. yeah well you know seeing as he's got uh, previous for um, 
you know, racial slurs and then kicking people in the head so he can avoid going on tour with England. But then miraculously he's fine for a World Cup when he has to spend even longer away from his family. Um, you know, he's uh, I think he's obviously using that um, PR firm that Saracens have just called in. Yeah. <laughs> very, very true. Um my other hands in the rock is uh, the SIU Super Six coverage. Um I've watched the highlights today and honestly it looked like it had been put together by um six form media studies group. Just <laughs> it just la- it just was really lacking. Given this is supposed to be the, the SIU's flagship co- flagship competition, you had you know, one poor lad trying to present it on his own. Um he looked massively out of his depth. He looked absolutely petrified to be in front of the camera. And you just think you know, we've got Scotland are using Al Kellogg, they're using you know, they've got Chris Patterson and Al Kellogg on the payroll, and you think it can't have been much to get them to stand in a field for twenty minutes and summarise a couple of matches. Do you know what I mean? And just talk about it in they've got a much more natural presentation style than this poor young lad who they've obviously, you know, who's you know, trying his best, bless him. But but just it just felt really stilted. It just felt cheap. Um, and I know, you know, I know, I'm, I'm not expecting a kind of, you know, BT Sport standard of presentation, but you know, this was sub Premier Sports. It just it just needed a bit more. I felt I just needs if it's a flagship competition, you 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 want people to watch the highlights program. You know, you've got plenty yeah, of give it a bit of oomph. Give it an oomph. Get a name. Get a name involved in it. Get. Chris Patterson doing the summer, you know, just introducing it, or Al Kellogg introducing it. It's 10, 20 minutes out of their day to do it every week. You know, uh, that's that's what will get people watching it. Yeah, just give them a free bar. You know, give them dinner. Well, that'll be, that's all they yeah. need. I mean, I think you look at, I mean, it comes back to, I think you look at um, Glasgow Warriors and I think they're, the way they've done things business-wise and the way things done they've done things media-wise has been fairly innovative. You know, they're the ones that set up the first podcast I think we had Jack McElroy, Reed and Adam Ash on the podcast when they first launched it, saying that um, Jack had been over to the States to look at what the college teams do over there. Um, the way that they do that, you know, the way that they conduct their player interviews is just everything's much more natural and much more, it feels well put together and it feels quality. So you kind of, I think that it, it means more to fans and gets people talking about it more i guess um did you see the you see glasgow warriors band did you see that on twitter that's exciting i don't know when they're playing but uh no no but at the q and I had a good chat with petrus diplicy yeah uh, and he was saying that they'll try to set up a, a charity gig in february looks like it yeah it was um adam ash on drums petrus dup and duplicy callum gibbons and lee jones lee jones is a hell of a guitarist from the clip i saw oh uh, yeah uh, and they're going to have uh, Ryan oh, Wilson on vocals. Oh, thought that will be entertaining. Yes. Um, um, they were doing. Uh, will they be doing a? Will they be doing a medley from the uh, the Batman films? <laughs> no, sadly not. They were doing um, where the clip was um, of they were doing "Bet You Look Good on the Dance Floor" by Arctic Monkeys, and it was it was pretty not perfect. It was really good, and like I said, Lee Jones was was fair shredding it. So, Cos Selkirk got a big. Big, big uh, music, musical uh, background in, in in Selkirk with uh, Frightened Rabbit, so just continuing that, continuing that yeah. in the in the rugby. So the legacy, yeah, the legacy legacy of Selkirk. Um, 
the last hands in the rock I have is um, we just mentioned this in passing. Um, th- this was going to be a bad one. Oh no, actually, I should mention first of all. I'd, I want to mention the Hoyk Hoyk Rugby Club put on a wee clip. Um, obviously, after um, games um, at many clubs, you have the 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 boat race, the drinking competition, um, normally for 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 Dick of the Days and um, and 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 ma- you know man of the match for both sides. Um, Robbie Urston from Hoyt Rugby Club um, wasn't available to do. I think he, I don't know what he was voted as, but he was um, he he was supposed to take part in this competition, but he wasn't available. I don't know if he was injured or he had had to like run away quickly afterwards to go to work or something. But um, his mum stepped up to take part in the drinking competition on his behalf and won. Oh yes, I've seen that actually. There's a lot of people. People, um, I think she's called Bev. I think someone's uh, in in the replies. Uh, but well done, her. There's a, a few people pointed out. I think a couple of the the two lads in the the video po- trying to point out that Bev is on a on a half pint. But as many people have pointed out in the comments, they're only halfway through their pints for points when she wins. <laughs> so so it's fair and square, lads. So I I love to see that. That was absolutely wonderful. Um, but the main one, it was going to be the Glasgow Uni 150th. Uh, dinner and, and some people may have seen this but basically there were um, some speeches made at the dinner which um, some very outdated derogatory remarks were made uh, about women and um, a lot of the attendees were um, very upset by the comments made um, I think from what I understand that Dee Bradbury uh, the president of uh, the SRU was present at the dinner um, as were another number of um, big name guests it was obviously a big dinner for the for glasgow university um it was 150th anniversary i think they're a fine founding member of the sru as well um we had a lot of feedback from um it was interesting the way the feedback came um there was i think one one a lot of people saying there, there was a lot of um booing of the some of the comments made and jeering um i think somebody told me that a, a large group of people got up and walked out at one point a lot of people got in touch and said they didn't hear anything wrong now there was one thing in, that these people all had in common ian can you guess what that was uh they all had matching genitals they did all have matching genitals um they were I'm all not male sure about, you know all the you know specifics of that but you know the no, same, no, same type. they were all men well basically yeah. <laughs> all the men that yeah. got in touch said i was there and i couldn't hear anything there was even someone said uh i wasn't there but i probably could make some stuff up um <laughs> then uh and this is i mean th- they shouldn't have to do this but um a number of um well, i think i probably um people who uh, who are involved or associated with or even maybe in play for the Glasgow University women's side got in touch in the mentions and um said that the comments were made and they were completely unacceptable and shouldn't have been made and people were unhappy and when they raised their unhappiness were kind of dismisses it was just locker room talk which this stuff never is it's you know it's the 24 so what 2019 now getting on 2020 that's kind of stuff should have died out years ago um but what was really really wonderful and this, this is why i really like this is i kind of I, I responded to the comments i got back saying it had been awful and said look thanks for letting me know it's terrible that it happened it's interesting that the people who said nothing uh, had happened were all men so then what 
what the woman who'd got in touch with me did was go back through my mentions and get in touch with all the men who'd said nothing untoward had happened. And it was absolutely glorious. They did it in a very fair and even way, but I think my favourite one was where someone had just replied saying, OK, Boomer, which I understand is, oh, quite, yes. is, is, understand is quite the insult from the young people these days. Yes, yes. Uh, it's, it's like, uh, I, I was worried. It's, you know, I, I feel it gets overused, but that was one of the... Um, the few occasions where I thought it was very, very well used. You know, it was uh, perfectly placed. It was absolutely, absolutely wonderfully used. Um, yes, lots of people, um, lo- just, just absolutely like flying into the mentions and just, just pulling people up on it, saying it was terrible and you should be ashamed of yourselves for for saying it wasn't. Um, the I will, we should just say that the university uh, itself has come out with a statement condemning what happened. Um, I think they've condemned it. Uh, yeah, they said it was unacceptable. Yeah. There's going to be a full investigation. Um, said the the kind of language used and the views expressed, uh, whether it was an attempt at humour or not, have no place in the club, our sports department, or our university. Saturday should have been about celebrating a great anniversary and marking the tremendous progress that has been made in both the men's and women's game. Um, I have to say, I was at the Berwick Rugby Club dinner this year, um, and it and and I think it was a wonderful demonstration of how you can have a rugby club dinner. And have some very funny and entertaining speeches. And Ian Milne, the bear, was there as well, and made a very, a very, an an excellent speech. And you can have people standing up and giving speech, very funny speeches, without having to resort to, um, to the kind of tropes of old and the old, the old stories from back in the day. And Ian Milne told told some some stories from from back in the day, and they were all very funny and very appropriate to be told in this day and age. So. It it can be done. People just have to change the change the jokes they've been telling for the last thirty years on the after dinner circuit, don't they? Aye, on wellness depends what uh, market you're specifically going for, but um, yeah, something with uh, a crowd like that. Well, it's you know it should be inappropriate everywhere, but um, you know different strokes for different folks. Yes, if you if you like that sort of thing, go and go and see Jim Davidson live. Don't. Have you got? Is it, have, you, have you got his tour schedule there? By any chance? Um, no, no, I don't. He no, was. I don't, I don't he, think you would. No, he did play. He played. He played my. He played my local town hall. Um, and then and then um, moaned about um, snowflakes when it didn't sell out. <laughs> the town was full of snowflakes because nobody would buy a ticket. Yeah, yes, that was the reason. Things. That was the reason why. Um, that's it for us for this week. Um, I am not here for the next two weeks we are working on contingencies it's likely we'll we'll drag john back and i will hope that he doesn't manage to uh upset anybody um and doesn't result in me receiving emails about incorrect ticket prices ticket or the prices. likes yeah. um, so john hopefully will be your host for the next couple of weeks uh i'll then be back after that um to probably we'll probably be around the time of our Christmas special. We were hoping to get Kevin Miller on, uh, our stats guru, to have a bit of a bit of a stats review of the year, maybe even a wee bit of a quiz as well. Uh, speaking of quizzes, oh, what about a stat vent calendar? A stat a stat vent calendar is what? That's what a wonderful idea. Let's do that. Yeah. Okay. I'll see if Kevin can do that, and we can have that. We can do it through the main Twitter account. Keep an eye on the at Scott Rugby Blog account. We'll we will do a stat vent calendar in the lead up to Christmas. The other thing we're going to do for Christmas um, is tomorrow around lunchtime we are going to have our um, an article on the blog about Christmas present ideas. So that is all the suggestions for the Scottish rugby fan in your life, or even if you still do Santa Claus lists to Santa Claus, 
because uh, why not? You know, I'm sure he still leads them. If you've been on the good list this year, he, he might buy you something from it. So we have a list of suggestions of, of presents uh, to buy, um, books, um, other kinds of Scottish rugby type things that you may find of interest. That will All the links will take you to our Amazon store. And basically, if you buy through that link, then we get a little bit of money back that we can use uh, to run the podcast and the blog. Uh, we'll also put links up to, we've got some Christmas themed merchandise on our Redbubble store as well. So check that out, and we'll have links to that on the uh, on the article as well. If anybody's got any suggestions for uh, Scottish rugby Christmas merch that they think's worth putting on the list, then then just let us know, and we'll we'll happily add it. If you've got some book you've written that you you think people would like to read, then let us know, uh, and we'll add it to the list. But for the moment, it is goodbye from me, and I will leave you in 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 the capable hands of the others, and hope we have some listeners less when I return. Uh, and goodbye from Ian. Cheerio. Cheers for that, Ian. You're very welcome. Thank you. That was that went on for a bit, given I didn't have any notes. Yeah, I had like quite long notes about the Warriors game, but then didn't bother saying any because I'm like, this is already taking a while. No, um, but but we had so much news. And that was it. It was all the news, and I kind of think like there's only so much you can talk about with a match anyway, so it'll be fine. Yeah. Aye. Good Excellent. stuff. Cheers. Excellent. Catch you a bit. Cheers. Bye. Bye.